Oh, good morning, Friendship Church. One more week together. I'm excited about Kenny coming, Pastor Kenny, and uh, just being a visionary for this campus, to see God uh, do some things here, to see Shakopee as our second fishing pond uh, reached for the glory of God, and these people back behind us start to fill up these chairs, amen, and, uh, and this place start to go crazy with new believers walking and receiving Christ and listening to him. Uh, I'm Mark Gold. Three things you need to know about me. I'm a rescued follower of Christ. I am trying to live my life by this book that has been so rich this week. It's answered some real life questions for me this week. And I am crazy about my wife. Uh, and uh, next week... Uh, We're in John 3.16. We've got four weeks in John 3.16 to be sure that we're sharing the correct gospel, the accurate gospel, the right gospel. And and so next week is our last week, and we're talking about shall not perish but have everlasting life. Next week, we're going to talk about everlasting life. Next week, we get to talk about heaven, and we get to talk about abundant life. And one of the things that we've done as evangelicals is we have moved heaven off of our radar and made this time more important in our Christian life than eternity. And so next week, we're going to put some of that into balance, and uh, you will enjoy next week We're getting close to that point. There's one point every year where people are asking, should I, what should I do spiritually? They're re-engaging, they're re-checking. Next week and the next week are prime weeks for you to go to people that you've had spiritual conversations with. Or who are neighbors you've got a relationship with and say, you know what, why don't you go to church, why don't you go try out church next week, would you go with me to church, and, uh, and let's just see what's going to go on there. So, uh, let me just encourage you uh, in the next two weeks to begin that conversation, to be part of that. Uh, we're talking about, nope, we're not talking about that, we're talking about the path this morning is, the, is belief. So, we have talked about Uh, The problem is that we were perishing. Uh, Last week we talked about the plan. Jesus purchased the gift. And today we begin to talk about our part. This gets so confusing. What's my part in uh, my salvation? And, And God has made that so plain in the verse that we're just drilling down on. For God so loves us. That he gave his son. And last week we, I tried to give you four or five illustrations that you could put into your heart and carry in your heart. As that illustration of God loving you so much that he gave his son. That whoever, and that would be anyone in this room, wherever you are and whatever you've done, believes in him. And so we come down to this wonderful word. What do I have to do? I have to believe in him. And today we're going to try to make that crisp. Um, So the scripture says, for by grace you've been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it's a gift from God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. And so today we want to walk out with a real understanding of what a gift is. Um, Just as I'm using this illustration, 
be thinking about a peculiarly magnificent, unexplainable gift somebody has given to you. Not salvation. I understand that. All right. But last, I, but but I was recently at an, a, an event where a student was given a very very large gift. Several. It was a birthday. Several adults from several families, went together to pool their resources for this young man to buy something unexplainably wonderful for this young man. And so I was there watching this young man as he opened uh, all the pieces of this unexplainably magnificent large gift. Have you ever given one of these or been part of something like this before? And I was waiting to watch the young man's response to this unexplainable large gift. All right? And as he opened it, he went, huh, that's nice. Huh, that's nice. Oh, that, that'll be nice. Huh. That's nice. And then I watched the adults as one by one, they tried to explain to him how wonderful this gift is. And, uh, and the sacrifice. Did you know the sacrifice? And this person had to work and do all this research to find this and, and do all this. And when it was all over, the young man looked and said, oh, well, thank you all very much. And uh, there was just kind of that deadfall. Now, turn to the person you're sitting next to and tell me about some gift you got that when you got it, you just went wacko. You just went crazy. Go ahead. You just went, woo! And if, you don't, if you're not sitting next to somebody, yell back six feet at somebody. It's okay. You can take your mask off to yell this. It's, it's true. You can, if you're speaking, you know. Go, 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 go. You're talking here. I don't hear a lot of talking. This must be a group that didn't get a lot of really wonderful gifts. <laughs> don't you remember when you got it and you just, you jumped and you danced around the room? And you, whoa, 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 this is incredible. 1 John 1, 9, uh, you don't have, I'm, I'm sorry, 1 John chapter 4 and uh, verse 9, the scripture says, in this the love of God was made manifest among us. That God sent his only son into the world that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Last week we spent all this time talking about God's, the price God paid for the gift. His son paid the gift to buy us to buy this for us and hand us this gift of eternal life. Propitiation is a big word, but it's not that big. It means to uh, pay the penalty, to absorb the wrath, to absorb the punishment. Jesus absorbed the punishment. Now, let me give you, uh, here's a modern example of our response to gifts. One to three billion dollars worth of gift cards are unredeemed each year. Somebody gave us a gift card and we went, huh, that's nice. And we put it in the shoebox. Huh, that's nice. And we're, we're still carrying it in our wallet. Now here's the good news. They're good for five years. 
all right? They used to expire after a year. Most gift cards now are good for five years. And, and, but, but some of them diminish in value. So don't be surprised when you take that $20 gift card to buy a $20 thing and they say you still owe me five because perhaps it diminished in value. But what if God purchased a gift for you and handed it to you and you stuck it in your wallet or, you, or, or, or whatever? All we have to do, all we have to do except the gift is believe. Now we have some problem with believing um, let me, with believing, because you say, oh, I believe. And then the Bible warns us in James chapter 2, 19, the demons believe and they tremble. Now, uh, if you grew up in my youth group, you would have heard this example a zillion times. You'll know the answer. How many of you believe George Washington was the first president? Just hold up your hand. Good, 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 good. All right. Unless you were in my youth group and you forgot the answer. All right. We believe George Washington was the first president. If I could prove he wasn't, and this isn't revisionist history, don't get uncomfortable. If I could prove he wasn't, would it change your life at all? No, not at all. Now, it was a guy by the name of John Hansen. Before we could have our first election, we needed a person in the role of president. And so the, Congre- the, the, the Congress appointed a man named John Hansen. You can Google it later. Don't do it now. You can Google it later and find out all the incredible things this guy did. George Washington voted for him, by the way, and, uh, until we could have our first national election. It doesn't matter. But when I ask people, do you believe in Jesus? Like the demons sometimes, they go, oh, yeah. I believe. And so we need to take a look at John 3.16 and we need to take a look at the word believe because the word believe does not mean I have the mental knowledge that Jesus died. I have the mental knowledge that he resurrected. I have the historical knowledge that George Washington was the first president, but it doesn't change my life. I have the historical biblical knowledge that Christ died and rose again historically but it doesn't change my life. And so I take the Greek, if you have an amplified Bible, this is what it would say. And all the amplified Bible does is take words that are important and explodes them. It's horrible reading. Uh, But it would say that whosoever relies on, clings to, and trusts in Jesus will not perish, but have everlasting life. The Greek word, I'll mispronounce, is pistos, and it means that I see Jesus and his offer, his gift, and I don't leave it laying on the table or in my wallet, that I believe I put my life, my confidence, I stake my eternity in what he has done. Now, a picture that helps me understand this is found in 1 Corinthians 1.9 that says, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. So we have been called, when we became believers, we came into fellowship with Jesus Christ. The best picture I know of fellowship is, I used this two weeks ago, two fellows in a ship. 
and now we'll solve the mystery of the canoe on stage. So, Jesus is sitting in a canoe. He's got the paddle. He's got the future. He's got the direction. He knows where he's going. He knows what he's going to do. He says, Mark, do you believe in my canoe? Oh, Jesus, I believe. Jesus, do you believe? Or he says, Mark, do you believe in that, that I've got a future? Oh, I believe you've got eternity. Mark, do you believe that in this canoe, I can get you exactly where I need you to go? Oh, Jesus, I believe that. Then Mark, what? Get in the canoe. And I, Jesus has done it all. He's the propitiation. He purchased the gift. The cross is the only answer. His blood is the only salvation. The canoe is his. My only way to heaven is on him. He says, Mark, believe. And so I go, Jesus, it would be my honor to get in the canoe with you. Now, Jesus, I don't like where you're going. Let's turn, right? No. Jesus, I get in the canoe with you. And I'll go anywhere you want to go. And I'll do anything you want to do. I'll speak any words you want me to speak. I have fellowship with the Son. Now, as we journey through that, there's some things that have confused us. Um, so we have two warnings about climbing in the canoe. One is where we just say, I believe. Even the demons believe. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, he said, you've cast out demons. You've worked many miracles in my name. And I say, I'm sorry. I don't even know you. You say, Mark, I, oh, I, I believe in the canoe and I believe in Jesus paddling the canoe. And oh, Mark, I believe in everything the church stands for. I believe it but I've never gotten in the canoe. I've never believed in, relied on, clung to, and trusted in Jesus with my life. Second, if God said, and he won't, if God said, why should I let you into heaven? Or if you like the illustration of Peter at the gate, saying, why should I let you through these gates? Some of us have these answers, and these are warnings. Well, I should get into heaven because I've been good. I'm good enough. My good is better than my bad. I've been working on that. I've been working on redeeming myself, and my good is better than my bad. The problem with that is heaven is perfect, and only in heaven will there be perfect. How many of you, don't raise your hand, have been perfect since birth? Remember, we were born separated from God. I've chosen against God and his commands. And so this answer doesn't work when God says, why should I let you into heaven? Because God, I've been good. My good is is better than my bad. But maybe it helps you to understand a, a surgical unit where they're cutting someone open and, and 
you've got to go through three doors to get into that surgical unit. And you have to wash twice to get into that surgical unit. And you have to completely change all your clothes to get into that surgical unit. And you have to mask and you have to face guard and you have to put things on your shoes. And you have to have to have to because that surgical unit is squeaky clean. I would like that. I would like where I'm being operated on to be squeaky clean. Heaven squeaky clean. And you got to be squeaky clean to go to heaven. I'm, I can't go. I can't go. I need a propitiation. I need a sacrifice. I need a gift. I need a card. I need a pass to get into heaven. Because heaven is squeaky clean. And the blood of Jesus Christ, 1 John 1, 7, cleanses me from all my sin. Amen. Jesus, by the blood of Jesus, I'm cleansed. Well, Mark, I've been baptized. I was baptized as a baby. I was baptized in a creek. I was baptized in a lake. I was baptized in a tub. I was baptized, I, I was baptized in the Jordan River. I've been baptized. I've been baptized. But by grace, you've been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God not of works, lest anyone should boast. Well, Mark, I've inserted a religious practice. I've been confirmed. Mark, I've, 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 been, I've been through a doctrine class. Mark, I've been through, insert a religious practice or a religious experience that you've had. Mark, I've cast out demons. Mark, I've laid hands on the sick. The blind have seen, the lame have walked. And Jesus said, I'm sorry, depart from me. I never knew you. Mark, I've spoken tongues. Mark, I've, Mark, I've, Mark, I've, I've had religious experience. By grace, you've been saved through faith. You got in the canoe. It's a gift from God, not of how many things you've done, lest anyone should boast. Well, Mark, I've sacrificed. Oh, this is hard. Mark, do you know how much money I give to this church? Thank you. Amen. Mark, do you know what I don't do for the sake of the kingdom of God? Thank you. Mark, do you know the sacrifices? And, 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 and we're so honored by the sacrifices that men and women have made for our country and men and women have made to protect us and men and women have made. That's not the door into heaven. Jesus' sacrifice. Perfect sacrificing for imperfect. He who knew no sin became sin that I might have the righteousness of God. So I have to be careful when I say, oh, I should go into heaven because look what I have sacrificed. Or I I, I get to go to heaven because I'm Jewish or I'm Muslim, or I'm Buddhist, or I'm Shinto, or or Mark, I belong to this organization, or Mark, uh, I I, I belong, I'm I'm an American. Amen. But that's not my key into heaven. I'm a baptized Baptist from Mississippi, folks. (laughs) That won't get me into heaven, all right? And I would wish for all of you were from Mississippi, but that won't get you into heaven. All right, here's the hard one for us evangelicals. Are you listening closely? Why should I let you into heaven? 
I prayed the prayer. When I was five years old, we moved to Memphis, and, uh, and my mom called the neighbors up. She really did this, and she said, we've just moved to Memphis. We're from a, uh, a northern state, and we want to be socially acceptable in Memphis. What do we have to do? The neighbors answered, well, you have to be a Baptist. Now, if you ever go to Memphis, you'll understand that, okay? It's a Baptist church, a gas station, a house. A Baptist church, a gas station, a house, all right? You have to be Baptist. Well, we weren't anything. So my mom looked up in the yellow pages, a Baptist church, it happened to be a very large one, and she found out the times, and she took my sister and I on Sunday morning. I, my, I was five, my sister was seven. She drove us up to the Baptist church, opened the door, and said, go become Baptist. And my sister and I were terrified, and we walked into a friendship church, Shakopee-ish experience, where the people were wonderful. They were great. It worked for me as a little boy. They took me to a Sunday school class where I colored and ate stuff and glued and, and just had a great time and met my sister again and didn't have a clue what was going on in the service. The pastor yelled. I thought, oh, I have done something horribly wrong. And, was, oh, Daisy, hold on. and people go, oh, Mark, we know where you got it now. Anyway, <laughs> we went for about four months, and one day he said, do you want to go to hell? I don't want you to go to hell. I want you to give your life to Christ. If you'll stand today and give your life. Well, I didn't know what I, I'm five years old, and he's yelling at me. He said, stand today. So I stood today. I, I'll stand. I'll jump in a canoe. I'll jump out of a canoe. And this guy quit yelling at me. And I stood up in the middle of the sermon. Didn't know you weren't supposed to do that. You're not supposed to do that. I stood up in the middle of the sermon. And he looks back and there's this little chubby five-year-old standing up, not knowing what he's supposed to do. He said, come here. And I came down. And he sat me down in the front row with this wonderful woman, and I'm sure she clearly presented the gospel. I have no idea. I do know she, I'm sure, I'm sure she said, pray this prayer. I'm sure she said, Lord Jesus. And I said, Lord Jesus, come into, come into my heart, my heart, amen, amen. And then she patted me on the head and she said, you've become a Christian. And then the pastor turned me around, because you do this in the church I grew up in. He turned me around in front of the thousand people. And he said, we're very proud of Mark, he's become a Christian. And he patted me on the head. And then a thousand people came and shook my hand. And most of them patted me on the head. We're very glad you've become a Christian. So I went out and, my, and I said, Mom, I became a Christian today. She said, how do you do that? Truth. I'm a five-year-old evangelist. Truth. I said, you get patted on the head. <laughs> the second time I became a Christian, I became a Christian to get a Bible my, I didn't have one. I'm nine years old. My teacher came in to Sunday school, and she's carrying a stack of Bibles. And she said, how many of you in here are Christians? We all raised our hand because we thought that was the right answer. And she, her face fell, and she said, that's too bad. She said, if you'd become a Christian today, I would have given you a Bible. We all became not Christians. <laughs> she said, good. <laughs> You're not Christians. And she took us on the hall, and she said, say these words, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, come into, come into my heart, my heart, amen, amen. And she patted us all on the head and gave us a Bible. Now I know it's a seven-word prayer and getting patted on the head. But I got a Bible. The third time I became a Christian, I don't have enough, I, I, it's much funnier, but I don't have time to tell you the story. But I never got in the canoe. Do you understand? I said a prayer. 
Jesus, come in my, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, come in and come in my heart, heart, amen, amen. I did what somebody told me to do, but I never relied on, clung to, and trusted in Christ. Christ, here's my life. Here's my life. Have you ever done that? Your words aren't important. Careful. (laughs) Your words aren't important. God has a gift he wants to give you of eternal life. Now, I've asked a friend of mine who shares this message to come up and share with you a recent experience because we're talking about sharing our faith with other people. And this is my friend Tim Whitmore. Thanks, Pastor Mark. Uh, Sharon had an appendicitis attack about a week and a half ago, and I waited out in the parking lot of uh, Burnsville Ridges. You you can't go in, and and, uh, the time got longer, the time got longer, and pretty soon, after about a half an hour too long, said it'd be about an hour, I got a phone call, and it was the surgeon, and uh, we had put our belief and our trust in in her that Sharon's surgery would turn out well, and she said, well, it's textbook. Everything was fine. We just put a couple puncture holes in, and and matter of fact, she can go home tonight. And I said, Doc, I said, I have a question for you. Will she be able to play the piano when she's fully healed? And she said, oh, yes, she will. I said, well, great, because she couldn't play the piano before. Well, there's a belief component. <laughs> we had a couple of electricians come over to our house, oh, uh, a couple of weeks ago. <clears throat> and God tapped me on the shoulder, and he said, Tim, he said, I want you to share who I am uh, with these two people that are coming to your house. And I said, God, I'll do that. But I want to make a bargain with you. You guys ever do that? And I said, uh, can I have individual opportunities to speak with each one of them? Uh, and he, he provided it. Well, one of the guys I knew, his name was uh, Kevin, was a little bit older. He'd been to our house before. Uh, they scurried about. We've got a little three-bedroom rambler, and they had to go up in the attic and uh, outside and in the bedrooms. And so they were kind of back and forth, and Sharon and I were back and forth during the day. And it was going to be a, pretty much an all-day-long uh, experience. Well, a couple hours in, after some bantering and some conversations, we had established a relationship, and I said, Kevin, I said, can I share something with you? He was in the, the kitchen. He said, sure. I said, I want to talk about my life with Jesus Christ. And he said, well, uh, please go ahead. And his eyes kind of, you know, he gave me full contact, and they were, they were kind and sweet, and he had a mask, his mask off, and, of course, I didn't have one on. It was my house. Uh, and I, I said, Kevin, I said, um, 35 years ago, I was a mess. I had sin in my life. I looked good on the outside. I mean, I, life, life looked good. We had a career and a wife and children. But on the inside, I was troubled. And uh, our marriage was troubled. And, and I didn't know what to do with it. And, and at that moment, he just, he was about 50 years old, just nodded his head up and down like, yeah, uh, I can relate to that. I said, I didn't know what to do with that. So uh, there's a pastor of the church that we go to, which actually is Friendship Church, that uh, I went and I answered a, a call one day. Pastor Doyle said, uh, come forward and kneel at the cross and uh, put your life and put your trust and put your faith in Jesus Christ. And uh, I went forward and I said, Jesus, I need you. I need you to forgive me of my sins. I need to make you uh, Lord and Savior in my life. I want to turn from my sins. I want to trust in you. I, I believe in you. And he's watching me and he's, he's looking at me with this kind of incredulous look. But then I said, Kevin, what's your faith story? And he said, well, I'm a good Catholic. And I thought to myself, I said, well, rather than denigrate that, I just said, uh, Kevin, I said, that's great. I said, I'll bet you've been baptized. He said, I have. I said, I'll bet you've gone to confession. He said, I have. And I said, Kevin, I said, there's so much more to life than that. I said, I have a, a New Testament here, and there's some thumb marks that can, uh, you can study and, and see what the Bible has to say about being a follower of Jesus Christ, of making him Lord and Savior 
uh, of your life. And um, he said, well, he said, I, I go to church, and, and I'm, I'm a Catholic, and, and that's interesting to me. And I said, Kevin, I said, eternity's in the balance. The decision you make now to be a follower of Jesus Christ, even though you go to church, I understand that, uh, means everything, to, to be a lover and a follower. And he said, thank you, and I said, thank you. And we just, you know, we kind of left it like that. Uh, and then, oh, maybe an hour later, uh, the other electrician came, and he was a younger guy, maybe about 20, 25 years old. Uh, and I said, can I share with you the most important thing in my life? And he said, of course. Uh, and I shared my testimony of having sin and needing a Savior and putting my belief in Jesus Christ. And, and he said, stop right there. And I said, stop right there. He said, yeah, stop right there. And I said, why? He said, well, he said, I grew up in an evangelical church. I know all these things. And I said, that's wonderful. What, what have you done? Have you made a decision to follow Jesus Christ? And I uh, had to repent of your sins. And he said, no, I haven't. He said, actually, I've, I've decided to reject Jesus Christ. And I said, oh, my. I said, that's a, you're being brutally honest. Thank you. And he said, yeah. He said, I've just, I, I'm just not going to. And I said, oh. I said, uh, why? And he said, well, it's complicated. And I said, well, complicated? <laughs> Were you spiritually abused going to church? And he said, no, it's just complicated. And I said, okay. Um, rather than push the issue any farther, I just said, uh, thank you for your honesty. Uh, uh, let me give you a New Testament and, and study the book of John. And you don't need me around to make a decision to be a follower, a lover of Jesus Christ, put your belief in him. That's between you and him. You can do that back when you get back home. He said, well, thank you. I, I have a Bible. That, that's really all I've got is this, is this call um, to, to make followers of Jesus Christ. But uh, what's interesting is over the last couple of weeks, I haven't gotten them off my mind. I've been praying for them all the time. I just can't stop. And, and as a matter of fact, I texted one of them uh, last night. And uh, wouldn't it be cool? One day I'm up in heaven, and I get a tap on the back of my shoulder. And they said, let's worship God together. And this was part of a crazy chain of, of God reaching out and loving somebody and pointing them towards him in a saving relationship. Anyways, that was it. Thank you, Pastor Mark. Thanks, Tim. So part of this journey together, this four weeks, is not just to review John 3.16. It's to remind us that all of us have inside the message, if we've given our lives to Christ, of salvation. So I would invite you this morning in the terms of this morning, to ask you, have you ever gotten in the canoe? Now, that doesn't mean that when you go to heaven and God says, why should I let you into heaven? I'm in the canoe. (laughs) All right? I prayed the prayer. I've been baptized. I'm a member. It's just an, this is an illustration. All right? It's the blood of Jesus. It's the cross of Christ. Jesus said, I am the way. I'm the door. I'm the living water. You have to drink of me, and he that drinks of me will never be thirsty again. So on January 6, 1971, in Boonville, Mississippi, I bowed my head at 2.30 in the morning, and I didn't say seven words. I said I give up. The prayer I prayed wasn't pretty. It wasn't orthodox, but I relied on, clung to, and trusted in what Christ had done for me. God loves you so much that he has purchased for you 
with the death of his son, a gift of eternal life that whoever relies on, clings to, trusts in, whoever gets in the canoe, Jesus, take me where you want me to go. Forgive me. Take me to heaven. You're, you're, my, only, you're my only hope. Shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Let your heart be kind of a billfold that has all those gift cards stuck in it that you haven't redeemed yet. Would you look in your heart and see Has it ever belonged to Jesus? Has there ever been a time where you surrendered and said, Jesus, from this point on, in order to go to heaven, I don't rely on my good works or my religious practice or that I was where I was born. From this point on, my only hope of heaven is Jesus. I cling to you from this point on. I am holding on to you, my Savior. Jesus, I'm trusting in you as a propitiation, the sacrifice for the judgment and the wrath of God on my life. Have you ever done that? Words aren't important. Jesus, this morning, I need you. Come into my life and take over. Forgive me for my sin. And make me the kind of person that you want me to be. I'm going to pray that prayer one more time. If you need to pray it this morning, pray it. Lord Jesus, I need you. Forgive me for my sin against you. Come into my life and take over. And make me the kind of person that you want me to be. In Jesus' name, amen.